0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined. We are no strangers to violence. If we browse the news, we can always see it and often hear about its numerous forms, such as domestic violence, bullying of students on campus, and so on. In such times, you may feel anxiety, not knowing when such horrendous things may happen to you. Perhaps you will feel that our age has become more violent than the past. But in fact, violence was also ubiquitous at other times, such as the two world wars of the last century, the Rwandan genocide, the American civil war in the 18th century, and so on. What we can be sure of is that violence is everywhere and is forever present in the history of humanity. But a further question we might want to ask is whether compared to the past, violence has increased or decreased. Steven Pinker answers that it's probable that violence has declined in the course of historical evolution. Pinker's answer may surprise you because even after World War II, a lot of collective violence happened. From the Korean War to the war in Vietnam, from drawn-out Afghan conflicts to the Arab Spring. Terrific violence and death accompanied all these events and they all happened in the past seven decades. In light of this, why does Pinker still claim that violence has declined through historical changes? And what are the causes of this decline? Is this related to progress? This bookie will answer these questions for you. The author of this book Stephen Pinker is a world-class linguist and cognitive psychologist with a 1976 doctorate in experimental psychology from Harvard University. Once the director of the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience of MIT, Pinker devoted himself to the study of models of children's language acquisition. On Bookie, we have previously unlocked many of his books, such as The Language Instinct, Mind Exploration, Essence of Thought, and Whiteboard. The popular magazine Scientific American selected The Language Instinct as one of the 100 best science books of the 20th century. Pinker has also twice been named in Foreign Policy's list of top 100 global thinkers and in Time Magazine's The 100 Most Influential People in the World of 2004. Next, we are going to outline the book to you in three parts. Part 1, The Sources of Violence. Part 2, The Advance of Civilization and the Retreat of Violence. Part 3, Why Violence Has Declined. Now let's take a look at the first part. sources of violence. When you think about violence, you may believe that it mainly relates to people's impulsive actions. They do things that harm others but afterward regret and feel guilty. Pinker stresses that it's not that straightforward. Violence plays an important role in the long evolution of lives and society. In this section, we will consider how to interpret violence from the perspective of game theory. Counterintuitively, violence is not simply the result of an adrenaline surge. From the standpoint of game theory, violence is calculated to maximize one's own interests. Firstly, violence can be divided into two general categories, violence between different species and violence within the same species. The logic of these two kinds of violence diverges greatly. When it comes to different species, violence is the logical default. For example, Maggots will rush up in a crowd and eat away at the horse's body, the smallpox virus covers patients with chickenpox and takes their lives without mercy, and tigers will tear the corpses of their prey to shreds. There is a grandiose concept called the dark forest theory proposed by Chinese author Lucy Cixin in his science fiction book The Dark Forest, sequel to the Hugo Award-winning novel The Three-Body Problem. The theory speculates around the nature of interspecies violence where the dark forest is the universe. Various alien civilizations occupy different planets in this forest. All these civilizations take great care to conceal themselves. If they find other civilizations, they must eliminate them immediately because any other life form is considered a permanent threat to survival. The theory offers a spin on the Fermi paradox, questioning why humans appear to be the only sentient life forms in the universe. Then, you might ask why is this happening? Doesn't everyone have a better chance of survival by living in peace? Pinker explains that it is quite easy to understand this from an evolutionary point of view. All living things seek to pass on their own genes, but different species do not share common genes. The advantages of eliminating other species far outweigh the disadvantages. In the process, organisms will not damage their own gene pool. Moreover, due to the demise of other species, their own can gain sustenance. For example, When maggots feast on the rotting flesh of zebras, they acquire the vitality of the zebra meat and strengthen their bodies and reproductive potential. After talking about interspecies violence, let's discuss why there is violence within the same species. It stands to reason that within the same species, say humans of the same tribe share many common genes and want to coexist in peace. In that case, why do violent conflicts occur even among close people? In his work Leviathan, Thomas Hobbes proposed three causes. Hobbes pointed out that violence would occur within the same species due to three factors, competition, difference, and glory. The first cause competition is conflict over limited resources. Even though everyone shares very similar genes, organisms will still prioritize the continuation of their family's genes. For example, males come into conflict over females. Two males will fight for the right to mate with a single female because females do the childbearing and may make a more significant investment in offspring than males. Therefore, female fertility becomes a scarce resource, and males must compete for it in order to pass on their genes. The second cause of violence difference is being guarded against one another. Even if you wouldn't hurt a fly, you will arm yourself if you suspect that your neighbors will attack you. Your neighbor will do the same for the same reason. The dark forest theory which we just mentioned is the outcome of this suspicion amplified to an extreme. Finally, the fight for glory. When you are labeled a coward and don't stand up for your own justice, your neighbors will feel you are a pushover. For them, the likely benefits of turning violently against you outweigh the expected risks, so they are most likely to resort to force. Therefore, human society developed the concept of honor everyone realized that if they didn't care about small things, they might suffer even greater disasters. As a result, we often witness people fighting over the most trivial things. In addition to all the violence caused through aggression between organisms, ideology also causes violence. Pinker's book mentions ideology as one of five inner demons that lead to violence. Causes of violence worthy of special mention, they are exclusive to human society. Historical examples of ideological violence are commonplace, such as the Crusades, European wars of religion, Nazi war crimes, and civil wars in numerous countries. We can't help but wonder what inspired such bloody violence in the first place? Pinker explains that the cause of a massacre can be separated into different stages. At first, only a few people subscribe to an abhorrent ideology. Their extreme views don't penetrate the hearts of the masses. Initially, Advocates have many absurd reasons to exclude nonconforming groups. For example, Jews supposedly defiled the noble lineage of Aryans, Islam was the religion of the devil, and Khmer intellectuals wearing spectacles were the enemies of the proletariat, and so on. In the eyes of fanatics, these people were all the same and needed complete elimination. When people with similar ideas collect together, so-called group polarization forms, their thoughts will only converge and become even more extreme than before people become used to adopting the group's position as their own. The desire to be acceptable to the group will overwhelm their reason and conscience. Subsequently, more and more people begin to succumb to the values of this small group. The so-called pluralistic ignorance effect where people's behavior is influenced by others occur. To illustrate this phenomenon, Pinker uses the example of an experiment by psychologist Solomon Asch. There were seven people in the experiment, But six of them were working for the experimenters, and only one was an actual participant. The researcher showed two cards. The first had a single line, and the second had three lines. Then the experimenter asked the participants which line on the second card was the same length as the line on the first card. The six fake stooges answered before the real participant, and each gave the same patently wrong answer. Three quarters of the real participants defied their own eyeballs and went with the crowd when in their answer. That is to say in order to fit in, they went against their own judgment. A similar effect occurs in the development of ideological violence. In fact, the public is not extremely violent, but under the pressure of extremist groups, most people will choose to remain silent and dare not make their voices heard. They will even become members of the groups themselves and start to condemn those who express opposition. In this way, ideological violence gradually spreads through the whole country, causing all kinds of historical tragedies. Accordingly, Pinker provides a solution to avoid this form of violence. That is we should stifle the development of extremist groups before they become rigid organizations. Their views do less harm dispersed in society. In order to neutralize them, we should advocate freedom of speech, encourage the expression of different opinions, and encourage people with extreme positions to realize the limitations of their thinking. Isolated, eventually they will quit or modify their opinions. Next, let's consider an unusual form of human violence, sadism. This form of violence seems to go against Darwin's evolutionism, because sadists only love to watch others suffering and see creatures in pain. Objectively speaking, this act will not increase the probability that their genes will continue and multiply. Let's take a look at one of the most extreme and disturbed types of sadists, serial killers these people don't kill others for revenge or to ensure survival. They kill arbitrarily and sometimes randomly. The BBC miniseries Sherlock features a criminal called Smith. When he attempts to murder Sherlock, he tells him, I like watching you die little by little. Yes, this is the serial killer's motive for murder, they enjoy the process. You might wonder, why do such people exist? Pinker explains that, firstly, Serial killers are generally people with weak innate competency for empathy. So compared with ordinary people, they experience reduced levels of guilt when using violence. Secondly, serial killers don't start out as cold-blooded killers, they learn, undergoing a transformation process from novice to veteran. In the beginning, they may suffer some pangs of conscience when they hurt others. But due to their feeble empathy, such remorse will rarely modify their resolve to cause hurt. Once they find they have got away with their crime, they have the capacity to carry on with life as if nothing had happened. Their violence grows, or rather, it is unleashed. Like taking a drug, the pleasure gained from abuse drives them to continue committing further crimes. And just as drug addicts will constantly need a higher dose, they will also need to kill people more maliciously or more frequently. At first, they simply take people's lives, and then slowly, they begin to enjoy dismembering or abusing their bodies only in this way can they experience more pleasure. Over time, they develop into horrendous psychopathic killers. Alright, that's all for the first part. In this section, we talk about three problems. First, the origin of violence. We learned using perspectives from game and evolution theories that violence is often the result of careful calculation. Violence happens when the expected benefits are greater than the anticipated costs. Secondly, We heard that a few extremist groups often initiate ideological violence that then spreads across society. Finally, we learned that in the pursuit of greater satisfaction, sadists develop as fine-tuned abusers. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.